more money, you got less problems. At least mine, the ones all your basics accounted for. Team Elite, I run with them, guaranteed to be Final Four. Less money, you got more problems. More money, you got less problems. At least. All right, good afternoon. Back. Uh, we have a special uh, Sunday edition going on today. You know, typically we do our interviews on Tuesday evening, but we have a special Sunday edition going on because I wanted to bring in two power hitters uh, that are involved in the Albany community um, that I have done extensive work with uh, over the years. Um, and I think that their experience, their knowledge of what they can bring to this dialogue and this conversation is going to be huge. Uh, and that's going to be uh, Charles Tui, and it's going to be Brandon Stanfield. So I want to thank both of you guys for taking this afternoon to meet with us and to sit down with back, uh, bringing Albany community's knowledge. And I look forward to hearing what you guys got to say today. Thanks, Tyrell. Great to have uh, have us both here uh, this this morning with you. And uh, we're looking forward to giving some some wealth of knowledge to the Albany community and and um, giving, and giving, make sure Albany gets back on the right track, and, and um, hopefully all of our all of our neighbors here in Albany um, can take advantage of some of the information uh, me and Charles have have, uh, have to offer. Okay. Okay. And yeah, and just in case. You. Go ahead, Charles. I agree with Brandon. Well said. <laughs> I was gonna say, just in case, if you guys are wondering where that mis mysterious voice is coming from. You're only going to see two, uh, two, uh, uh, two videos for the call. Uh, Charles dialed into the call uh, for us today. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, listen, guys. Uh, I like to always uh, begin any of the interviews I do with back just with a general, uh, just with a general question. You know, uh, right now, all of our families, the entire world, has been going through a pandemic. And I just want to see how have you guys been doing uh, in regards uh, to the pandemic? Uh, how has your families been adjusting? Uh, how has life been for you for the last five months? Um, and uh, Brandon, I I I'll throw it to you first and then I'll come back to Charles with the same question. All right, well, the pandemic has been extremely hard as, as it has been in most families here in, uh, uh, in, in the world here. So my family and us, we've been really Trying to stay quarantined, stay out of the um, wear our mask and, and stay stay safe uh, in the community. Um, there's been a lot of of the virus going around it has really picked up in in, in our, our area um, as of recently. So it's, it's extremely uh, cautious that 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 everyone in our, in our community uh, really stay safe. Okay. Uh, uh, have you guys been doing anything uh, like creative to uh, to in, instead of like just staying in all of the time? What kind of creative activities have you and the family been doing to to get through this time period? Because I know it's an adjustment phase. It, it has been. It has been mo mostly uh, staying just staying out of out of really the public side. A lot, a lot of doing a lot more cookouts at at home and um, being being very. It actually gave us a lot more time to to be uh, more for uh, family orientated um, to uh, doing more things together. So it, it has actually been a blessing. Um, uh, COVID-19 has came and it really opens our eyes to a different aspect of, uh, of each other. 
Okay, I agree. I agree. Charles, I'm coming back to you. Uh, man, how have you guys been doing during this pandemic over the last five months? Uh, how has uh, things had to shift or adjust for you and your household, sir? Well, both of us, uh, my wife, Alice Green, and myself are uh, getting up in age, so we are in the high-risk group. So mm. we've been trying to stay away from groupings of people, uh, which has been hard for both of us. Alice has been able to keep working uh, virtually, you know, the way we do it, and myself the same way because of the land bank. We've been able to continue on with the operations of the land bank, but I probably miss my neighborhood bar <laughs> and <laughs> eat outdoors instead of eating inside when I go to a Panera or something like that, and so I don't know what's going to happen when it gets cold. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't do the outside option when, uh, or once the cold hits. So it's like back to back to indoors we go. Back to indoors we go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, listen, man, uh, I, well, uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, both of you guys are safe, your families are safe, and we're going to go ahead and get into it because I don't want to waste either one of you guys' time. I'm going to hit you with the first question. Charles, this one's going to come to you first. Um and actually, uh, I love Albany the same way I know the both of you guys do. So um, here's the first question for you. Charles, uh, what are you doing now? Uh, what kind of uh, passion projects are you working on or any new endeavors? I know a lot of people may not know uh, uh, your role uh, with the land bank, but your hands are in a, a bunch of different projects. So please let our back community know more about you, what you're working on, and your future endeavors. Well, when I graduated from college, I was in the Peace Corps in Micronesia. came home from Micronesia. I got a job at St. Anthony's School, the, uh, the parish on uh, Phillips Street and Grand Street in Albany. So mm -hmm. I lived on Trinity Place and I lived on Broad Street. And uh, when the school closed, I looked around the neighborhood and saw a lot of absentee landowners, a lot of absentee landlords. And I thought that the best thing to do was to allow people who lived in the neighborhood to get their own houses. So I bought a house at 13 Myrtle Avenue in 1970, so that's 50 years ago. And since then, I've been uh, in the housing business, always for people in the neighborhood to get their own houses, because I believe community control neighborhood is essential, and you can't have absentee people running things. And so uh, we the the current situation with the land bank is just a culmination or a natural extension to what I've been doing in terms of rehabbing houses, always two-family houses, because I think that's the perfect starter home, because the rent pays half the mortgage, and renovating houses, and then infill, which is, takes all those hundreds of vacant lots that are sitting around Albany, and ones that can't be used for good gardens or to the adjoiners who would be homeowners, we can put new houses in there, too but not for investor-owned. They should always be homeowners. Okay. Okay. And it's interesting to hear that you've been doing and working in this field for over 50-plus years. I think that's what you said. And that was the reason why I tied in Brandon into this conversation because I watch what this guy does, and, you know, I'm in amazement. Uh, 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 of the of his experience in regards to getting into real estate in Albany and what he has been able to amass for himself and his family over this time period, and he has way more experience and knowledge at it than I do. So I think that uh, 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 the two of you uh, uh, are going to be able to add a very uh, important dynamic. 
Uh, but Brandon, I got the same question for you. Uh, uh, what are you doing now? Uh, uh, what kind of uh, projects are you working on and are, are any new endeavors? And hold on, actually, before you answer that question, I'm not sure if it's uh, what we may want to do because there's three of us on, we may want to mute uh, we may want to mute our phones if the other person is going because I'm picking up a lot of background noise on, on somebody. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, so with my endeavors, I'm going. I'm still reinvesting a lot of into the community, into the into vacant uh, properties around the Arbor Hill and West Hill um, neighborhoods of, of Albany. Um, where I got into it, it was it was almost I was almost I would say forced into it at a, at, a, at a young age there it was it was when I was ready to move out it was like you're not moving out of a house you're you have to buy a house before you moved out of a house and um, so that, that that pressure put me into well if I want to get out at 18 I need to start looking for a house and it was it was go, it was go to college and really force I was really forced into home ownership and once I got into there it was it was another aspect of uh, I have this two family house down like I, I want to uh Piggyback of what y'all said, it does help with when you have that that extra additional income there. So I was to say, pri privileged to have that 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 motivation to say, you know, Brandon, you need to um, uh, uh, go into go 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 into uh, home ownership at a, at a very young uh, age there. And from there, I pursued on to the community, um, making sure the community. Uh, um, has a better outlook when you see all the vacant properties, you know, to make sure your value go down. So that, that, that really helped inspire me to really um, start fixing up, up vacant properties. Okay, okay. Now, now when you say that uh, uh, pretty much you were forced into it, uh, I know you didn't say it directly, but it sounds like it, like it might've been a parent or something, because you said in order to get out the house at 18, is, is, is that, was that the scenario, is that, uh, scenario, was that what got you into home ownership? It was, it was, it was. I came from, you know, the, the the background story of it is is that, you know, when our our mothers, our, my mother, actually forced her kids to 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 really be homeownerships at a very young age, which was which was uh, I was very lucky to have that that motivation there, which is which I I feel like nowadays there's a lot of misdisconnect when it comes to homeownership renting. Um, a lot of people think that you know. I need to find an apartment and move and um, and stay there, where 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 you really should be, um, in my opinion, looking for more home ownership, more stability, income, and and people get scared of that of that commitment on on financial um, that that financial commitment that you have to you have to the bank there. So you still have to, I believe, um, pursue 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 that 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 financial um, commitment there. Okay. Okay. And actually, listen, man, um, um, uh, I love what both of you guys said in regards to the fact that uh, two family homes, uh, what it can do uh, uh, to a family or to a household, because not only does it add that stability that you need for yourself, but it also gives you that additional income. And like, uh, this was a lot of the things that, you know, I learned later on in life. And, you know, I love getting that information out to people now about it because, you know, a lot of times we think that the avenue to home ownership is a lot harder than, than what it actually is. But, you know, you need to have skills and a lot of it has to do with how you plan, how you strategize and, you know, I mean, being able to uh, uh, 
uh, what is it, uh, have um, uh, be able to plan, be able to strategize and, and realize that the advantages that you're going to be able to give yourself in regards to getting equity in your own home as opposed to paying someone rent is as well is, is 10 times worth it to, to go ahead and, and get into home ownership but i got one more question for you guys and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into uh this land bank conversation and we're also going to get into uh, establishing black wealth which is you know what i mean uh one of the hearts of the conversation uh how do we do that you know what i mean coming from the neighborhoods that uh that uh, that we're um uh, talking about the Albany community, but how, how, how do we create that? So I'm going to get back to that, but I got one last question because it's going to help me learn a little bit more about both of you. Uh, one, and actually, I, I, I'll let uh, either one of you guys choose who wants to go first on, on this last one. What is your favorite place to go to in Albany and why? Either one of you guys can take it. I would say um, for me, it'd be the, the, the Corning, uh, the Plaza in Albany. Uh, I, I love the Plaza. They have a number of events. Some uh, the African-American Fest is done every, every year, including Kids Day and uh, OGS actually has a workforce challenge where, where multiple agencies co uh, co uh, comes together and do a five mile run. And I think that area there is just a central hub of Albany. Um, I love visiting, even on summer days, um, there's multiple uh, people, they're working out in the, in the, in the winter time. They have the, the, the free skating um, that's available. And everyone, uh, if you're from Albany, everyone enjoys the July 4th celebration that Price Chopper kicks off uh, every year. So that has always been a great a great uh, spot that, that I, I love to visit um, uh, uh, on, on, a, on a frequent basis. Okay. Okay. Charles, same question to you. Uh, what's your favorite place to visit in Albany and why? Well, Brandon has a great choice because, and his reasoning <laughs> is really good too. I'm a little bit more uh, nature oriented. So I like the Corning Preserve and the bike path down there by the river. I love the boathouse area where you can go down there and run and you can get, do exercise and you can ride up to Cohoes and Waterville and even to Schenectady if you want to go that far. And then the other part is the UAlbany Lake, which is right on campus. Nobody knows about it, but it's right behind uh, Western Avenue. When you come into the campus there, there's a lake. It's a beautiful nature walk. It only takes about 20 minutes to walk around, and it's a great place to calm your mind no matter what time of day you're at. Mm. Mm. Okay. Do you hear that, Albany? I think, I think we both just got exposed to some hidden jewels right there because, no, I did not know about that lake up there at UAlbany. Uh, 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 the, the Corning Preserve was definitely uh, one of my favorite places too. Though I just like to sit down by the water, uh, get my thoughts together, play a lot of chess down there. But uh, I did not right. know about the UAlbany Lake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Thank you guys for uh, for being vulnerable enough to share a little bit uh, 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 of your experience uh, uh, in Albany and and uh, uh, what you love about Albany. And I hope to come back to some of that. But I also want to go ahead and uh, 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 divulge or actually get into uh, uh, this land bank situation because there's so many people in Albany who talk about home ownership and it was like, you know, I want to, I want to own a home ownership. A lot of people have come to understanding that uh, the Albany land bank owns a lot of the properties there in Albany. Uh, and uh, Charles, if you can go ahead and educate us on the experience or your experience as chair of the Albany land bank, uh, and what information you want to get out to the Albany community about that, that would be a huge help. 
Yeah, just a quick history here. Uh, in the 1930s, the federal government, when they started the Federal Housing, FHA, they did this thing called redlining, where they identified where black folks lived in Albany, and they drew red lines around the neighborhoods, which is basically Arbor Hill, West Hill on the south end, and they wouldn't loan money in those areas. So that was the beginning of stolen wealth for black people, where they were living there, and let's say they were renters, they had no opportunity to buy in their own neighborhood because they were redlining. And not only did they redline the neighborhood, but they redlined the black family themselves so that they made it difficult for black families to get a mortgage anywhere in Albany or anywhere. So it's a double sin that the federal government, the real estate agents, and everybody else had done. Fast forward to 2020. Uh, the land bank happens to own all these vacant properties, and guess where they are? Exactly those areas that the banks redline. And why did we get them? Because when people couldn't own their own home, absentee landlords owned them. They milked them. They didn't pay the taxes. They didn't fix up the houses. And now they're just left as shells. So many of the houses that we own are in such bad shape that it needs a lot of money to renovate. But we want to sell them to families in the neighborhood. Uh, since we've been starting, we've been getting mostly investors because they don't need the banks. They get a small amount of money, and they go and they fix it over themselves, and then they rent out the houses. So it's a little bit like more of the same. So happily, we've just been convened a recent community committee of people, including Carolyn McLaughlin, Jamel Robinson, Chris Gardner, and Tony Gaddy, as sort of like an ad hoc committee to put our heads together to put pressure on the banks, because in this whole Black Lives Matter systemic racism thing, the banks have been AWOL. They haven't stepped up. They haven't done anything. And so we're about to, and with community input and support, to ask for the order, to say these banks have got to give loans to people in the neighborhood to buy our houses. And guess what? If it costs more to fix up the house than what you can sell it for or what a family can have paid for, you, the banks, have got to step up for the, the technical term is called gap funding, which basically write a check to help for the difference between that and the basis. Why should they do that? Why should they write a check for people? Because they're the ones that stole the wealth from the families to begin with. So all they're doing is making reparations for what they did to begin with. It ain't no gift. It's something that they, they need to do to make up for the sins of the past. Go ahead, Charles. <laughs> Listen, um, wow. One, I did not know uh, any of that. And uh, uh, I mean, in regard to uh, what you guys are planning and, and, and uh, uh, putting together uh, uh, here in those red line communities. But, uh, you know, I do remember uh, uh, reading uh, a little bit about redlining and, and, and what it does. And like, like it says, it, dis it disenfranchises particular communities, communities of, of color. And you don't have access to, uh, to, to that, uh, that hope of having the American dream. So, you know, what I mean, and like banks, like you said, and in regards to the social unrest that's going on right now, Black Lives Matter movement and uh, the systematic racism, it's just like the banks uh, are still profiting <laughs> uh, greatly uh, uh, during this time period. So to be able to put more pressure on them to give back, it really would be a win-win because it's like uh, if, you want, if you want the business and if you want the communities to get better and to thrive, you know, you got to give them the opportunities and the resources to do it. And like, I, I'm glad what you, I'm glad, I'm glad you did say what you said too, is like a lot of the buildings are already dilapidated. And that's one of the things Brandon and I had talked about 
and we talk about uh, pretty often. And it was just like, so the imagine the amount of money uh, you really need to invest in a house after you buy a house for, for 20 grand. You might need an additional 70, 80 grand to, to get that house up and running. So I'm glad that you guys are talking about gap uh, gap funding. Uh, I might have I might have messed up the term if I did. Sorry about that. But the uh, but the gap in between there and holding the banks responsible for putting them in a position to help the families or the uh, uh, or the individuals to sustain the uh, to get the income that they're going to need. That's dynamic right there. That's going to be huge. Hey, hey Charles, I got a question for you. So. I, I know you mentioned um, there's a lot of investors that's coming in looking for these properties due to the substantial amount of work that these properties are entail with. Do you think it'd be more beneficial to have these contractors uh, redo uh, investors, I would say, come in and purchase these properties so that we can get the community back looking um, in a more, in a more um, systemic way? Because right now, you go down First Street or Third Street, it's just full of vacant houses and, and you have the broken window theory where you, you get one and they just keep going. So is, would it be beneficial for us to, 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 to relinquish some of this, this uh, work over to investors? Absolutely, and that's what, that's what the, the land bank has been doing for the last three years. Um, it's not the ideal thing because you'd like to have homeowners, but don't forget, there's always a mix on the block. There's going to be some homeowners and some renters. It's about how responsible the landlord is and what they do for the block and for their tenants to, to make sure that they're good, good, tenant, good landlords and good tenants. And you're absolutely right that if we're sitting on our hands waiting for the, the banks to come up with this money for a family to buy the house, meanwhile the houses are sitting vacant, that's no good. So our business in the land bank is to get that property out the door. Bank is probably not a good word because it sounds like we're saving them. We're only saving them, like we're about to do a big project in the South End where we have like 75 lots that we've been able to put together to do an RFP to actually, you know, big a whole, do a whole new development. But these one-off lots, you know, definitely we need to get them out the door, the houses we need to get out the door, and if an absentee landlord, an investor wants to do that, all we do is we vet them to make sure that they don't have outstanding code violations, that they haven't been foreclosed before, and that the neighborhood knows them so that they know that they're, they're responsible people that are going to contribute to the welfare of the block. Uh, Charles, I want to commend you guys as well because I, I have been through that process with the land bank and it's, it's a very uh, sinuous process and, and you guys do a great job at, at, at making sure landlords are and investors um, do have the financial one, the financial backing and the experience on, on redoing a, a vacant property because it's just not going there and, and put paint on the walls and a few cabinets. It's, a lot of properties require an extensive amount of work and, and a lot of first-time homeowners or uh, uh, first-time uh, landlords, they don't have that construction uh, constructability knowledge to really put together um, a vacant property. So, so I do commend you guys on that, on that process. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the other things we're talking about is developing black contractors in the neighborhood that people have been struggling for years to, to, to fix over these houses and don't have the opportunity to do it. And so we're, we're also looking on the other side about developing those minority contractors 
with the Black Chamber of Commerce, with Chris Gardner, you know, different people that can step up and develop these guys with one truck, you know, that say they know how to build a house, they've got a skill, and we want to empower them. One small thing that's going on is home leasing is this really big company out of Syracuse, or I think it's Rochester, that's doing a whole bunch of houses on Clinton Avenue. And we'd say, oh, this is same old, same old. This is just another white-run organization. Yeah, it's going to be affordable housing. But what's interesting is that they have developed a cadre of contractors, whether they're from Rochester, Syracuse, Albany, whatever. And so we're going to tap into whatever contacts they have. And then when we have contractors that, let's say, want to, want to ta tackle a house themselves, we can get these people who have already fixed up 71 houses on Clinton Avenue to mentor them. So they just say, here's the way we got to attack this house. You know, what is the best order of construction, the construction plan, the estimating, the scheduling, so that the contractors can succeed in that particular house and then go on and do other houses. Because you don't want to happen to have a bad experience. And we all know a big old house, there's always mm -hmm. something bad. Fall, you're going to get some surprise. It's going to mess you up. So we want to make sure that those mess ups end up with an opportunity and not a failure. Listen, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's amazing. Uh, one, when you think about uh, the a lot of people overlook the importance of mentorship or internships and being able to get that firsthand knowledge from somebody else. But I think it's some of the most beneficial time you can ever spend. So to be able to tap into individuals who are already working on 71 uh, different projects in the same community they'll definitely be able to share with you their experiences of, of what they uh, uh, came up against and what you might want to expect. Because like you said, imagine buying a house and uh, you think that you have everything that you need and you find out that, you know, it turns out to be, what do you call it, a money pit? And it's just like, well, now I got to get out of here and I've already started all of this work, but I really don't have enough money to go ahead and finish it. And now I'm trying to uh, uh, give this property up to somebody else who can come in and finish the project because I ran out of money and I can't do it. So that's, that's exactly right. And that's what we're trying to head off. We don't want that to happen. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. All right. So, well, so Charles, I'm happy you brought up the effect of uh, the Clinton Air project with home leasing. I have actually um, um, got an opportunity to do some work with them as well. And I do, I love the fact that they do have a lot of uh, my, uh, minority contractors on their, on their, on their job sites. And the, the premise around all of me is when they see this home leasing come in and start revitalizing um, Clinton Avenue, they think of gentrification. They're going to come in, fix up all these properties, and then kick the black people out not knowing what the what the background of their of, of what home leasing um has uh has to offer to to, to 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 albany what would you give um our our neighbors here in albany to when they talk about gentrification on clinton avenue well it's absolutely a threat because white money that when they got money they can go in there and outbid for things and so what's great about the land bank is the properties that we own, we can control that. We can say, hey, wait a minute, you know, you're not from the neighborhood. We might want to have a few of you here, but you're not going to take over just because you're the highest bidder. We don't have to give our properties to the highest bidder. What's interesting about home leasing is on the surface it looks like just another white corporation. 
But the guy that runs it, the founder, the guy's 85 years old, I don't know his name, but he actually has a conscience. He has a social conscience, and he understands uh, those projects are, you know, affordable housing. Now, for people in the neighborhood, they say, hey, it's, you know, $1,100 or something. It's $200 more than what I'm paying now. You know, this is too much. I can't afford it. I understand that, but you've got to look at what you're living in right now. And, you know, if you're going to do affordable housing that has decent, good heating systems, safe heating systems, plumbing, wiring, heating, you know, that's what a renovated townhouse on Clinton Avenue is going to be. And so I think that people understand that. And I might add just one other thing, is that families are paying way over what they should be paying for their rent, right? If you look at the statistics, it's not 25 percent, it's not 30 percent, sometimes it's 50 percent more than that of their disposable income. But the point is, they're paying a whole lot for rent. And so when we go to these banks and say, we'd like you to let a family buy a house on Clinton Avenue or a house on Broad Street or whatever, they say, oh, well, they're not making enough money. Well, guess what? Look what they're paying for rent. And we want the banks to change their qualification process to say, you have to look at what this family has been paying consistently for three years, five years, or whatever, and qualify them on that. Don't go by their income. Go by what their their proven track record of the ability to pay is. Yeah. I, I think... Uh, uh, that, that, I, that, that's a great point, Charles. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, one, um, it's a, uh, it's going to be a process. You got to think about it. Uh, these institutions have been around for quite some time. So, you know, you'll always find uh, uh, some type of uh, uh, language or something to put in a barrier uh, to make that makes it a little bit more difficult for people to actually get in. So it will be, it will be great over time to, to see how this plays out. And, you know, but one, I'm happy that the, the initiation of it and trying to hold more people more socially conscious about it and, and uh, aware of it, say, well, you know what? We might need to change up the system. The same way we're talking about it in all these other aspects in regards to social uh, unrest, we're talking about it in housing too, because we want everyone to be able to have a part of the American dream. And home ownership was the American dream. It was always like be able to, you know, I mean, get your own house, have a white picket fence, or you know, I mean, whatever it is that you dreamed of. But that was when they talk, when they sell you home, when they when they sell you the American dream. That's always been a part of it. So you know, breaking down these barriers in regards to uh, what makes it harder for a uh, black community to to have access to it is is is, is going to be huge. But I know it's going to be a process over time, and you know, uh, I really want to see what we can do before like a lot of times people wait for the the larger institutions to to make a change and the way that the way my mind works is i don't like waiting around for the larger institutions it's like what can i do now you know what i mean what can we do now instead of waiting for the systematic change of it so you know uh i would uh, i would say one I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming and, and, and how it trickles down uh, to our communities. But you know, uh, uh, what advice, uh, uh, what advice, or what uh, encouragement can we give those now uh, who are interested in home ownership in the Albany uh, uh, community, uh, knowing that we still have those barriers in place? Because there's still plenty of opportunities to still get involved and, and to get access to it. Am I correct? Absolutely, and what the land bank has been doing is we're, we're gearing up more uh, case management people, and actually we're tapping into Home Headquarters, which is in Syracuse. It's an up-and-running organization that already counsels people. 
Just for example, the guy, the, the counselor in Syracuse, because this can be done virtually with COVID anyway, has worked for a bank for 17 years. You know, so they know all the tricks. They know the barriers that come up, you know. And so, for example, a family will say, oh, geez, this bank says i got to have 640 credit. You know, I only got 620. Uh, I want to bag it. I give up. I can't do it. I told you I couldn't do it. This counselor from home headquarters in Syracuse, I've seen this person in operation. They talk to them and say, look, we're going to get you this deal. We're going to, we're going to massage the number. We're going to do whatever you've got to do. Make sure that you're going to get this deal. Don't give up hope, because a lot of it is about hope. It's the psychology of, you know, I can do it, not I can't do it, you know, <laughs> positivity instead of negativity. And by the way, the banks, you know, when they could, at the end of the day, they're going to get a mortgage out of this way. They're going to make money on the mortgage. They're just saying, oh, we can't go in these neighborhoods. Well, that's what we got to change. We got to say, you got to go in this neighborhood because you created the problem. And by the way, it's a terrific PR thing for you. You know, there'll be big heroes. They get out there for every little thing, and they get their picture in the paper for this, that, and the other thing. So we'll be happy to have them come to the ribbon cutting for the first 10 homeowners at their bank. And once again, there's so many banks. So let's say we did 100 houses in Arbor Hill. We could get 10 banks, 10 loans each. What's the big deal? You know, the PR value is more than whatever the perceived risk is on their part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And- Actually, you know what? That's uh, Brandon, a great point, Charles. Is talking about that. No, I was gonna say I, I'm coming to you right now just <laughs> about uh, something that you said to me. You know, uh, uh, Charles, you you just brought up a, a, a misinformation out there. You know, and, and how it can be discouraging. And what we need is hope to know that you know you can do that. Brandon Brandon told me a story. It had been maybe about two three weeks ago about how he helped uh, a particular individual who had gotten some bad information, who was told that they're going to have to wait uh, two to three years for something to clear up. Uh, and uh, when he told me the scenario, it was like, we need more people like you who have the experience, who have been involved, and who can educate the community in regards to what the actual process looks like and what they need to do. But, uh, Brandon, I'm going to throw it to you in regards to that. Yes, Charles. So so I, I love the fact that you brought up about the banks and how difficult it is. It, 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 the process may seem to be because it's it's uh you do get a lot of misinformation, um the the credit score issue a lot of people don't they uh, a big question I always receive is you know have a, a low credit score can I get qualified for a bank well the other question you have to think about you know do you have consistent uh, income are you are you have uh, employment what is your debt to income ratio you know a lot of people don't talk about that but those but but you have to make smart decisions where where don't go out and buy, you know, your 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 eighty thousand dollar car when you're when you still need. What does your debt to income look like before you go uh, 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 process that that home loan there? And a lot of people don't take that initiative to to really to really go ahead and um and and pursue home ownership because they just don't know the the parameters and what they need to look for. And, and 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 show the bank. So so that's that's a big thing that that um, I would like to get out there for, for all our viewers is to really uh, and shop around banks. There's so many different banks. If you get denied by one bank, move on to the next bank and move on to the to the next bank. Just don't give up. Um, a big thing I like to I, I live by is is um, is the fear of home ownership. You have to you have to act like expect to be a homeowner and act like it uh, 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 that, 
in order for it to come true. So, 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 so it's definitely a, a, um, a, a psychology behind, behind hoping that, that, that you will become a homeowner. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why uh, we need to, uh, one, provide the product to say, yes, there are houses out there. They don't have to be land bank houses. It could be any house. You know, pick a house that you like and then work with the family uh, so that you can plan ahead to save the money that you need to do. And so I agree with you that, you know, people go out and they buy the car and they buy, you know, they get debt because they don't believe that it can happen. And so our job is to, to make them realize, you know, that there are products out there, there are uh, lenders, and there are counselors that will work with you to get you to the point where you can own your home. And we all know that your home is your savings bank because the day you start paying on the mortgage, you're paying it down. So then you can have a home equity loan down the road. That's how people pay to get their kids to college and how they get a vacation home and do these things because every day they make a payment, they get more equity in the house. And the other thing you gotta worry about is equity. We need to know, we need to do enough houses in a neighborhood in the South End so that those houses maintain their value, so that you know you work hard to get a house, and then it turns out that uh, the value of the neighborhood doesn't go up. Why doesn't it go up? Sometimes what happens is when, when other people wanna sell their houses, the realtors, they say, oh, I don't want to deal with a family from the neighborhood because they got the credit scores and they got the income. I'll just bring in an absentee landlord. And so then the neighborhood, the block, goes back again to what it should be, what it, what it was before, which is bad. And so we got to make sure we educate the real estate community that when people buy houses in Arbor Hill in the South End and they want to sell houses in Arbor Hill, you have to list them and then you have to show them to legitimate buyers from the neighborhood and don't fall back on landlords to sell to. And you guys touched on home equity, right? That was probably- Hey uh, Charles, I got one question for you in regards to what you just- Go ahead, Charles, Brandon, I got, got one it. question just to follow what you just said. Can you explain to a little bit more, more about what equity in home equity uh, looks like for for a, for a new homeowner? Um, a lot of times when you, you when, when you uh, put that word out there, a lot of people just don't, you, you know what it means, but they don't know what it means. And so if you could just explain to how that is so beneficial for, for when you buy your first home in, in 10 years down the line, what that home equity looks like. Yeah, so you've got a mortgage payment of 1000 1200 a month, whatever it is. Uh, you've got a 30-year mortgage, you've got 5% interest, whatever the interest rate is. The day you start making your first payment, you're paying back that loan. Unfortunately, the way the banks work is you pay mostly interest in the first five or ten years of the property so that your balance, you get a summary every year from the bank, say, this is how much your loan, how much you paid off this year. And you go for the first few years, you go, wait a minute, I paid mostly interest, and the, the, the loan isn't going down. That's the bad news. Bad, the good news is if you hang in there long enough, you stay there a few years, Suddenly, it's no more interest or very little interest. It's mostly principal you're paying down. So every month, you know, you pay, you know, you pay down. So suddenly you say, wait a minute, I paid 120000 for this house, and I only own eighty, or I own fifty, or, you know, whatever it is. And then the home equity loan comes in where you can go back to that same bank and for some low interest rate, I don't know what the equity loans are, but they're 1%, 2%, 3%, you can reborrow 
against the the mortgage, you know, against the value of the house. You can reborrow. That's your piggy bank. That's your savings account. That's the payback for all those years of making the regular payments. Now it's time for you to cash in and do something good with that money. Mm-hmm. And you look at those uh, uh, amortization schedules. And it, like I said, it wasn't until uh, my wife and I purchased our home here uh, that, you know, we start to pay attention to, uh, uh, to all of those little things. So if you look at this schedule, like you said, Banks are gonna banks are gonna get their money back, and a lot of times they they get the money back because we don't we don't look at how much we're paying in interest. And I wasn't the best at math my entire life. I got better uh, as as I as I got older. And once I started looking at the numbers, it's like, well, wow, you know what? We bought this house for this. If we stay on a thirty year mortgage, this is what we're gonna end up paying, and that makes no sense. So it's like a lot of times educating the market on you know fifteen year fix. You know what I mean? Uh, educating them about, like you guys said, home equity and realizing that it doesn't even matter how much you put into the house because you got, it's going to look at comparable houses in the area. So that's the importance of having other, other houses in your area. We're just like, you know, uh, uh, we looked at our house up there in Albany and we're just like, you know, my brother was like, man, you guys did so much work to this house. It was like, it's got to be worth so much more. But then it's like, it still goes off of the comp, uh, the uh, comparable houses in the uh, in the area. So you know, people need to know uh, about that. One, be able to look at uh, what you're going to be paying over time, interest rate, and being able to get to a point of paying down your principal instead of paying all of this uh, amount of money in interest. Because what a lot of banks will do is too, you'll start to uh, pay down, and you you're about to get right there at that point of where you're paying primary on your principal. And then they'll say, well, you can go ahead and refinance. And then you start that whole process all over again where you're paying uh, a bunch more in interest. But um, the, the education uh, and the knowledge that has to be, uh, the ways in which we all have to be educated on, uh, on this process um, will make it uh, more of a bearable process to go through. Uh, because once you have the knowledge, you know what to look for. And uh, you don't put yourself in a place where, you know, you end up, uh, you don't have any equity in your house because you know you you, you don't want to be you don't want to owe uh, all of that. You don't have any equity in your house, so and you be upside down. So the, the other thing I would like to bring up too, as well, you know, when it comes to uh, the banks, a lot of, a huge part of their review is your taxes, and so when it comes to taxes, when you have an, uh, you do have a house, and they look at your debt to income, your Schedule E which is that, that, that part of the conversation comes a little bit further along the process, but even before the house, um, that's something that, that most people need to really look at. I mean, I, I, I feel like your taxes is almost like your social security number. You should know that like the back of your head, what's on your taxes. Um, and uh, you should always get, I always recommend getting professional help to make sure that, that, that they're correct. But know what's going on here. Know what your 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 income is. Know what your debt is is it looks like, because that's one of the first things that the bank is going to ask for. They're asking for two years of your tax return, and most of the time they're going to ask you for that third one later on down the road uh, uh, when they get to the process of uh, what they call an underwriter. So I would com- uh, recommend everyone to really uh, uh, know your taxes, know what's on it. And, and take a proactive approach when it comes to getting them done every year on knowing how uh, uh, what that process is going to look like when they go to another bank to say, hey, I want a loan. 
you should already, you, you should prepare yourself for that conversation. It's tax time and I can go buy new furniture, I can go buy new, uh, 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 whatever I need, but, but we really have to not take that lump sum all the time and really look at what, the, what, 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 um, what my taxes are gonna do and what it's gonna look like to a potential uh, uh, a, uh, a bank. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But uh, when you're going forward, if you become a homeowner, uh, we just talked about how the banks get theirs first. You know, the first few years of the mortgage are all interest. But guess what? That's all deductible. That interest is deductible. So you weren't able to take your rent off your income taxes. And let's say you're in a 30% bracket, right? And so you're paying, you know, uh, $1,000 a month. That's, you know, $12,000 a year. You cannot take that off your income tax, but you can take the interest, not the principal, you can take the interest off your taxes. So the first few years where the bank is socking it to you for interest only, the, the upside is that you can deduct that stuff from your income. So let's say you're paying $1,000 a month mortgage and 90% of it is interest. Well, instead of 12000 that call it 10000 30% bracket, that's $3,000 that you get back at the end of the year because your money is sheltered by, it's called the homeowner tax deduction. You know, our tax system favors homeowners, a.k.a. white people, That's they're the ones that wrote the law, <laughs> favor home, homeowners, right? Well, when you become a homeowner, you join that club, and you get to take that tax deduction of the interest on the income. That's a great point, Charles, and I really appreciate you explaining that uh, clearly. Um, it's almost like you're living, uh, if you bring it back to the renting perspective is it's like now now you're living rent free or or mortgage free for for the first couple of months of the year because all that money gets given right back to you when it comes to taxes so it's really it's really beneficial um i promote home ownership on on and on everyone and uh to, to, to so uh to, to please pursue it yeah it actually um uh, it made me uh, right now. It made me think about a uh, an article I read on CNN maybe about three weeks ago, and uh, they were talking about a woman. She might have been don't don't hold me to this. She might have been in Arizona, wherever she was at. But she was just talking about how, like uh, Charles mentioned uh, earlier, redlining. You know, what I mean, and, and how it affected uh, particular uh, um, uh, African American communities. And she was just saying the the new redlining that's going on sometimes is. And they're not supposed to use these things against you, but they'll look at the zip, the banks, they'll look at the zip code in which your house is at. They'll look at whether or not if you are single versus married. And she was just saying how her debt to income ratio uh, uh, was, was, was really low. She had a good credit score and she couldn't get, uh, 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 I think she was trying to refinance uh, uh, on a home that her, her grandfather, who was a vet, had passed down to her. And she couldn't get the refinancing. And she was like, everything in the earlier stages were great. And uh, once once she got past the early stage, they ended up asking her, like, you know, uh, uh, questions again about, you know, me single versus being married and, and the zip code of, of, the, of the property. So it almost seems like, uh, like Charles was mentioned earlier, they're trying to get rid of uh, some of those systematic, uh, 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 the systematic racism in that process. But it seems like you still try to find new ways to do it. No question about it. And that's why, you know, like I'm just Albany, New York. Albany is a small town, and we think that if we focus enough our, our energy on Albany, that the banks can't hide. 
so that when they do stuff like that, we got mortgage counselors, we got people that just because you you know you got your mortgage goodbye, we won't see you again. That if you go and want to do these things, that we're going to have people on staff, whether it's the land bank or home headquarters or somebody that you can go to and say, I don't like what this bank is doing, and the banks don't like the sunlight. You know, they don't like to see that there's this subtle thing going on. So there are weapons you can use, but you need to get educated and have advocates to go with you. I agree. I agree. It was like uh, we got a lot of our information. I, I was uh, emailing with Charles a while ago, and I was telling him, I was like, you know, my wife is obsessed with um, uh, Dave Ramsey, and Dave Ramsey's uh, uh, philosophies have helped us tremendously. Uh, in regards to educating ourselves on the process and uh, uh, generating wealth, you know, which is going to lead us into uh, uh, another segment of, of what we wanted to talk about today was creating black wealth. You know, it's like it, uh, imagine generation after generation going through the same uh, cycle. Imagine generation after generation living in the same house. Imagine generation after generation not being able to uh, take hold of the American dream. Uh, and, and part of that is, you know, I mean, uh, 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 having the wealth and before the wealth, having the knowledge of how to manage the wealth. Uh, and that's where I would like to go with you guys next in regards to, you know, how do we create uh, a black wealth? How do we create a, a, a population uh, in the Albany community that is able to uh, thrive, sustain, and, and, and create more opportunities, not only for themselves, but for the Albany community. Charles, I'm going to bring that back to you because I know that's something you're passionate about. Yeah, I've just been focusing on the real estate side because we have all these properties that the land bank owns. But black wealth in general, it's about, you know, I'd say get together, organize, you know, get clubs, credit clubs, you know, bank clubs, money management clubs, where people sit around, you know, like, like AA, and it's a support group, Right. So the, the problems that we've been discussing, the individual problems that both of you guys have brought up, you know, if you had an organization that's local to go to and say, hey, let's talk about this at our monthly meeting, and then where do we go, which button do we push with which bank and which credit and which real estate agent, there's strength in numbers, and there's also that's where the knowledge comes from is people sitting around together. You know, I know it's a virtual world, and you can, you know, go on YouTube and learn all about credit management and stuff. But, uh, you know, all politics is local. All building wealth is local. I'd say building wealth, you know, and once again, the real estate analogy is block by block, right? You want to have wealth in, you know, on 2nd Street and Lark Street. You know, you want to have wealth on uh, Broad Street and 2nd Avenue or something. And you want to have wealth that builds and stays and sustains itself. And that's transferred to the families that live on those blocks. And so that's what the strength in numbers, the people talking about it, you know, the old word is neighborhood association, okay? But we're talking about black wealth. We're talking about some black families getting together, people of like interest and interest group, and saying, let's get together and talk about this every month. And we'll talk about each problem as they come up, whether they belong, the members have a problem or whether they're theoretic problems. But we need to unify and be together so that when we go with one voice to a lender or to somewhere else, they're going to have to listen to us. Okay. okay. Man, actually, uh, Brandon, before you chime in on this one, I, I, I actually just want to say not only is it about uh, uh, exactly what you just said, Charles, 
But, you know, uh, uh, I want to add an, a, another dynamic to it, safety. So, yes, it's, it's equally important to, 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 uh, to be able to, to have own, uh, home ownership in each of these areas, these neighborhoods, Broad Street, Second Ave, Lark Street, Judson, wherever you want to put it. But it's also equally, probably, if not more important to be able to have safety uh, in these communities, too. So I'm just going to mix up one question in here uh, 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 because uh, I, think it, I think it ties in and say, you know, sadly, uh, Albany has seen more and more violence in our communities, has experienced a lot of loss over the years. What changes would you guys like to see? Uh, what is your hope for the community in that aspect? And you can tie it back into real estate, but, or you can just keep it uh, as general as you would like. But what is your hope for the city? Brandon, we'll go with you. I think you're still on mute. You know, I have I've seen a lot more um, police presence on the uh, in the Arbor Hill area since the shooting has has started, which um, it's it's a commitment to to what, what the city uh, has been doing there. And what I would like to see, you know, is uh, one of the things that uh, to piggyback off Charles there and Black Wealth is the is the is the entrance there on Northern Boulevard you know, revitalized. That's a, a major hub. Um, Thousands of people come into Albany each and every day, and it's just a an eyesore with all of the abandoned uh, abandoned properties right there on Henry Johnson Boulevard. So I would like to see that uh, that that area change up. And I think once the Black wealth come in, the the more um, um, people was going to take more ownership of, of where they live at. Um, I know during the riots, it was it was it was sad to see. It was very very sad to see all of the places up and down Central Avenue boarded up. I mean, I couldn't, it looks like a scene out of a movie to, in, in, my, in my opinion there. And, and to see the community come back together. Um, so one by one, uh, stores took down, took down the, the, uh, their, their plow when it started opening back up. So th those are, those are some, just some small things that I, that, that I, I would like to see, um, the black community and black wealth, uh, come, come, come together and create and create, um, more, more, more minority businesses in, in the community. All right. What about what about touching on the safety issue? And then Charles, I'm coming back to you. But Brandon, what about the safety issue in these areas? Like you said, you mentioned the rioting on Henry Johnson Boulevard, uh, or uh, uh, what happened uh, in the Albany community on Central Avenue. You know, uh, how how much does safety play uh, in regards to wanting to own in in our community in these particular neighborhoods? It's an extreme. Uh, difficult situation there. Uh, safety, safety is my number one concern when I, when, when it, if I or anyone else opens up a business, they don't want to open up a business and fail due to customers not wanting to come in or, 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 or associates not, not into to want to come over because they don't feel safe. So safety is the number one concern. Um, I would uh, 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 put this back to, to, to the community there. And, and it's not all just on the police department, it's, it's really on the community members themselves to say, you know, let's keep let's keep this safe. Let's let's not act a fool around here, so 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 that we can attract more more customers and more people to our area. Okay, all right, I greatly appreciate that, uh, Charles. Uh, uh, I'm actually, uh, if you need me to read the question again, I can read the question uh, to you. But I, I want to throw it right back to you in regards to that. Um, uh, you want me to read the question again? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, you take First Street, for an example. The report just came out today, right? The police knew that they had a problem there. They kept going back, going back the same way, the same way. They didn't engage the community. And so eventually there was an incident with the police, right? And you say, well, why couldn't we get the community involved? Well, there's a lot of people who want to, they, we need police in the neighborhood to protect the good people in the neighborhood, but we also need neighborhood cooperation. But if the police are the kind of police that don't relate to the people on the block, the old cop on the block, you know, the guy on the beat that knew everybody in the neighborhood. And when there was a conflict between two teenagers or two 20-year-olds, the word of mouth would say, hey, officer so-and-so, these guys are going to shoot each other, right? Why don't we have that now? Because the police are not, we're not recruiting the right kind of police, and we have the wrong kind of policing in the neighborhood that the community just can't buy into. So you don't have the support of the community, which is, of course, what you need for, you know, like we say, the cops can't do everything. And the first street is a good example. It wasn't a law enforcement thing. They should have done something about that, you know, a long time ago. And in terms of protecting businesses on Central Avenue, I totally agree. A businessman wants to have a safe community. All right. And the bigger picture here, the bigger picture, and I would quote Dr. Alice Green on this, is that why doesn't this happen? Why are these shootings happening in Arbor Hill and not in uh, Colony? Right? How come people aren't shooting each other in Colony? Is there something wrong with the people of Arbor Hill that they think they have to shoot each other? No. We have crime generative factors. We have schools. We have housing. We have health care. We have employment. And so when kids have nothing and they have nothing to do, and their only source of income are things that are under the table, and now it becomes a territory thing, and I'm going to go shoot you because you got my territory or those territory. That's what we got. And it's got nothing to do with Arbor Hill. It's got, it's got everything to do with our priorities in government of where we put the money in our taxes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And it's the truth. And it's... Um... Yeah, you know, uh, listen, uh, I don't even have anything to add to that, Charles. I think that uh, 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 that was honest. I think that that was as transparent as you can get. Uh, a lot of times the problems that, uh, that we're facing in our communities uh, uh, isn't directly related to the people who are in the communities either. Sometimes we go back to that, uh, 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 the system of what's going on, and we have to prioritize where we put our money, who's in control of our money, and uh, some of that does come back to us as community members. Uh, one of the guys I interviewed uh, maybe about, um, uh, as maybe in July or so, uh, Daryl McRae, he owns uh, Bricks Barber Salon uh, 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 along, uh, uh, among other things. But, you know, uh, they're talking about doing exactly what you said, Charles. Like you said, cre creating, creating groups or creating a, a membership. You know, and uh, uh, one of the ideas, you know, I won't, I won't uh, uh, shed all of them, but one of the ideas was that being able to create a group in which we can create uh, or utilize our own wealth. So let's say you have uh, 100 or 1,000 people uh, in this group, and each person gives $1,000 uh, to that group, and you're able to, to, to have your own money to, uh, to see fit where that money is placed and how that money is utilized in your communities to make it better. And I think that we have more than enough people, uh, 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 if that was the, the, the level of entry or the entry barrier right there, we have more than enough people to go ahead and start to put that together. But it's really going to come back to us as people are uh, uh, concerned in the community about the community and bringing the resources back 
to everyone to get them on board and, and knowledgeable about that process. And the individuals uh, have to be willing to take in the information, be introspective enough uh, to say, well, you know what, I can do better in this area and I'm looking for help and educate me there. Because like I said, it's not that, it's not that uh, 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 we can't do it, but a lot of times you got to be put, uh, uh, one, you got to be ready to, to make the necessary changes within yourself and for yourself. And then two, uh, uh, we're a community that we need each other in order to be able to, to bring it to life. Absolutely. I think it's a terrific idea. You do it, Sorelli. It's a group like that. People get advice from people. They say, hey, you could go this way instead of that way, and then you don't need the money. You know, think of this. the strength in co communal knowledge or collective knowledge. And then the other thing is, a lot of times it really doesn't involve thousands of dollars. It might mean a few hundred dollars would make or break a deal for somebody. And that, that kind of self-help organization is definitely effective for doing that. You know, being a native of Albany, Tyrell, I, I hold dear to my heart, you know, the, the things that go along in the this, in this city here. And it's just uh, having black wealth and, and even wealth in general, uh, seeing our community come back is, uh, is, is one of my priorities. Uh, priorities as well. Um, next time I uh, go into, to every time I go into a real estate deal, you know, I, I would love to see the city come back to a, to a, to a, um, to a, to a, to a great town there that, 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 that it can be. So, so. Uh, what, what, what kind of, um, uh, uh, well, 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 let's say this just, uh, just for starters point in regards to creating black wealth, uh, what would you say is the starter uh, point or the starter position that uh, uh, us as a community, we need to be in? Uh, what, what, what would be the first area of focus that you say we need to focus on? I found for myself, I would always say uh, the safety issue. Safety issue right now, you know, all over the news, um, it, it's the safety issue. So, so create, creating that safety issue so that we can get um, uh, uh, we can get businesses and people to, to reinvest in, in, in the community right now. It'd be, that would say, uh, that would be my number one concern. Okay. Charles? I'd say a savings account. You look at your family budget, you know, and when you look at the budget real quick, you say, hey, I got no money left. You know, it all goes out. But I'll take an ATM. I'll give you an example. You got to go and spend two bucks to get 20 bucks from an ATM. Guess what? I don't have a PIN card. I never use an ATM because every single dollar you pay to them goes to the bank. And if you start going through your family budget and look at the kind of cable package you got, you're using ATMs, you know, uh, there's a lot of little things, you know, like in a business, what's the difference between profit and loss? The sum total of details is the difference between profit and loss in a business. So the sum total of details in a family household budget is how you look at what you're spending for things. Why did I go out and get that fast food thing? Why did I go there to shop there? You know, and you say, well, that's not going to make much. But if you wrote it down and you added it all up week by week, month by month, you would be surprised how much you might have to put in a savings account. Uh, and I, 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 I agree. I agree. You know, I, I'll just use myself. You know, I mean, I, I'll be transparent enough for myself. Like I said earlier, I wasn't the best at numbers early on in my career. 
Now, you know, I pay attention to almost everything. So looking at the budget or, or looking at what you're spending on. I, I remember maybe about three years ago, we decided to get rid of our cable, right? We got rid of our cable and said we just need the, the highest internet. And it wasn't like uh, we were in a, uh, in a crunch, but it was just like, in order to, uh, you start realizing that every dollar matters. So you want to account for those dollars. And we're just giving away money through subscriptions, uh, through uh, 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 different avenues. We're just giving away money. So it's just like, once you start looking at us, I think at the time, our bill might have been like 270 some dollars for internet, cable, home security. What we did was we got rid of the uh, cable, got rid of those other things. And even for home security, I decided to go out and, and, and buy my own uh, a ring de devices. And uh, uh, Brandon and I were just talking about this, uh, might have been uh, two days ago. And I was like, listen, so instead of paying $30 a month for, uh, for home security through the cable company or whoever you're going to use, it was just like I decided to buy my own ring devices that comes with uh, a better access uh, intercom that you can talk on and it paid for itself over 11 months. And after the 11 months, uh, I no longer have that bill. So learning how to budget with what you have, learning how to get rid of what you have, you'll be surprised how much, how much we slowly kill ourselves in subscriptions that we don't even use. It is good you more that's the nation the nature of capitalism is to get you to pay you know low down payment so much a month don't worry about it you know they're never going to tell you that you're budding, busting your budget they want you to get on that monthly payment so you have to fight the power and say wait a minute what is this monthly payment doing for me other than sending me to the poorhouse you know i i i seen an article i, I was actually a shark tank it was a shark tank i seen and um and I love the, the what he said about investment. It was a, it was a participant who wanted ten thousand dollars to for his invention, and he said, "You know, what money did you put up before I give up my before I give you ten thousand? What well, what money have you put up to um, for your investment?" And it was really nothing. so. He said, "You know, you need to you need to to cut back on on like Charles said, going out to eat, cut back on the cable bill. So once once you invest in yourself, I think." you you uh uh and that just tends back to even uh black wealth there you know you need to you you need to make that sacrifice and save and uh, uh save your own money and cut back on the things that you do dear and love in order to 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 put your money into investment and and, and, and i think you're going to see you will see that once you save and um and invest your own money you're, you're going to see more people uh willing to invest with you yeah, and, yeah, and I wouldn't even sacrifice. It's being smart because there are ways to spend your money that you could get just what you want out of it, but you don't have to spend money out to other people. Great. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm gonna throw a funny story out there. It was just like I remember uh, uh, Brandon and I used to go. Well, Brandon would come to me to the gym with this, uh, the, the the gym membership that I had, right, Charles. <laughs> And it'd be too funny because I'd be like, yo, won't you just go ahead and get you a gym membership, man? He'd be like, nah, bro, I can't afford it. And I'd be like, I know you can't afford it. So I was like, so, and he'd always be like, nah, I can't afford it. Nah, I can't afford it. And it was just like, it took me years to understand the mindset that he had then. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I can't afford it. It was just that it's not necessary. When I have other avenues of going ahead and getting it for free, why would I go ahead and pay this money uh, uh, for this regularly? And he was like, I get it now. So now when I have conversations with him, it's like, 
accounting for every dollar, accounting for every dollar. You know what I mean? There's so many different budget, uh, budget apps that you can use. Uh, uh, just use, utilizing your own check register if you don't want to go ahead and use a, a budgeting app. But uh, being able to account for every dollar helps. And my mindset used to always uh, be on, I thought I had to have this one large sum of money in order to be able to do something. But the reality of it is that it comes in smaller increments. It was like, if you, if you utilize your, your money and you save correctly, you're going to have so much more over time if you learn how to go ahead and invest. You know, I use investment calculators all of the time now. So now it's just like, you know, I like to look at how my money can make money for me. But it took me a long time to get to that point and to realize that it's not about just having this, 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 this large sum or windfall, but it's about smart decisions, better choices over a period of time is going to put you in a better position. Great, Tyrell. And I, I, I would like to just add the fact that, um, you know, it wasn't even the fact that, you know, I like to say I, I could afford it, but it was more of the fact that, you know, it was, I wanted to save it. I want I, invest it better. So, so, so I, I wish, I wish we, we would have discussed that a little bit more, more uh, at that time, but it, it was, it was a great, it was a great learning experience for, uh, for the both of us there. And, um, and I'm happy that, 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 that we went through that experience. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. And, and sometimes you got to go through those experiences in order to be able to come out and educate other people. So like uh, yeah. Charles mentioned earlier, you know, I mean, being a community resource uh, for others. So what better person to utilize or to tap into uh, than somebody who's already gone through that experience, somebody who you trust, somebody who you know is going to give it to you straight. Uh, and that's why I appreciate the two of you guys coming on today, because one, I know you both. And I, I know that you're going to give it to me. And you're going to give it to uh, our audience straight. And that's what we need. You know what I mean? It's, it's not about blaming everybody else all the time. Sometimes it is about accountability. And then the other times it is about blaming it and putting it exactly where it needs to be. As Charles mentioned earlier, it was like, the banks ain't doing anything spe uh, spectacular. They're, they're coming in uh, because they've been profiting on our community for a very long time. It's what they need to do. It's their form of reparations. So everyone needs to be put in those positions, but it all starts with knowledge. It starts with, it starts with knowledge uh, in regards to knowing where to look, knowing where to go, and uh, 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 starting the change to make sure that uh, our generation uh, 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 doesn't have to go through the same experience as the generation before us, and, and changing that narrative and, and changing our family's dynamic is huge. And I would like to add that, you know, it, it's, it's work, Tyra. Don't, don't, and to all of our viewers, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a work. We, uh, myself, Charles, and Tyrell, we, we give you this information and don't think it's, it's, it's uh, well, we can just go to the bank tomorrow and apply and it's, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be a lot of back and forth. It's going to be a lot of work, but you have to put in that work. So don't, don't thank us, thank yourself because you have to put that work in. Okay. I like that. Thank yourself in advance. You know what I mean? So, you know, right. I mean? like you said, put, 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 put the work in, put yourself in position uh, uh, to change it for you and your family, for your generation, for your community and, and stay vested. I'm just like, you know what I mean? No matter where I'm at, I always got Albany on the brain, period. And it's always just like, you know, well, you know, you can spend your time doing this here. I'm involved in so many different things down here in the DC metro area, but 
my heart is always on Albany. It's just like, you know, well, what can we do? You know what I mean? What should be happening? Because I have so many positive memories of Albany and experiences there, as well as the negative, but I have more that I choose to focus in on the positive. And I want everyone that's still there to, to understand that love and to be able to experience that, experience home ownership, experience positive relations, experience, uh, uh, experience what, what uh, the American dream really is. And it's not just limited to home ownership, but it's about uh, uh, a brotherhood, uh, 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 experiencing the goodness of genuine people. And, you know, uh, uh, we need to have a little bit more of that. So I want that sprinkled all over Albany. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, uh, I got, um, uh, I think that we, uh, I think that we actually touched on uh, uh, the questions that I had uh, in regards to one, uh, the land bank, um, two, uh, in, re uh, in regards to uh, uh, creating uh, black wealth. Uh, but, you know, um, in case I missed it, because uh, I'm definitely guilty of that at times, uh, uh, were there any other closing pieces that either one of you guys wanted to, to, to make sure that is heard and that we get out to the people? Well, I just wanted to say that even Tyrell is in the Detroit metro area. He talks like he's local. He knows Albany. That's the beauty of uh, technology. Say, hey, he moved away. No, because we can all collectively share knowledge no matter where we are, thanks to all these uh, new electronic innovations. So the world is a lot smaller, and we're much more together than we think. I like that, and I, and I agree, and I agree. And I'm, I'm invested in Albany, period. You know what I mean? Whether it's through the, uh, my fraternity, uh, the property that I own up there, you know, I'm always in and out of Albany, uh, pre-COVID, but uh, and it's it, 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 and it's so many other people that are just like me. And what I'm learning through these back interviews is that a lot of people are looking for ways to get involved and and to stay involved and and to and to give back. And ultimately, it's going to be on us to change that narrative and to change the direction of where Albany is going uh, uh, currently. But uh, uh, what about for you, Brandon? Uh, anything that uh, you want to make sure that we get out to uh, the Albany community? I I just just like to just re re uh, reiterate um, home ownership. Um, is that's dear to me. Um, I do. I I see the city. They're putting in a new park over at Third Street Park. Mm -hmm. You know, I was born and raised in that area, and and visit that park numerous times a, a day. I beat you a bunch of times on that basketball court. <laughs> So, so me and Tyrell had a lot of good times on, on that on that court there, and uh, they're doing they're putting a new park in. A lot of new new sidewalks are going in, so I'm very excited on the change that Albany is is uh, is, is coming across there. Um, and I would just promote home ownerships. Um, I know if you look at anyone that's trying to move right now due to COVID nineteen, um, a lot of people are moving, and it's very difficult to find an apartment right now. But if you ask any real estate agent, they're extremely busy, um, meaning the, the banks are, are being, are still, they're still doing closing. Um, a lot of it is virtual now, but get your, I, get your application in, your homeowner application in, get an advisor. Um, myself, is, I'm always available to, to always give, give, give anyone any advice on, uh, on what the next step should, uh, uh, should look like. I, 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 
I would say, and um, I'm excited about the changes uh, that that um, that Omi has to bring to everyone. Okay, okay. And my 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 last question for you both will be uh, because I always like to uh, gauge uh, uh, what you're reading, what you're into. Are, are there any types of books or podcasts or uh, different things that you're reading that uh, you might be able to recommend uh, to the Albany community as a starting point or something that's been beneficial to you? Charles, I'll start with you. Well, uh, Cast just came out by Isabella Wilkinson. That's a brand new book that just came out. There's uh, Stony the Road by uh, Henry Louis Gates. And then I'm reading about the black military experience in the Civil War to understand what black families, black soldiers went about in the Civil War. And it's been important for me as a white person to learn about black history, which has been hidden from our history books. So uh, these are things that are important for me. Well, for me, for me, um, I've been reading a lot more articles and books on relationship. Um, I feel like I'm starting to learn myself more. When I can learn myself more, I can learn, uh, 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 I can relate to, to others uh, uh, better. So that's, that's what I've been um, spending my time with. Okay. All right. And I, I, think, I think I'm somewhere in between you both. You know what I mean? I'm obsessed with uh, relationships and I'm obsessed with, uh, uh, with history. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I think over the, the, the last three months or so, it will been about three relationship books, uh, How We Love, um, Relationship Goals. Uh, but uh, one of the other ones is uh, 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 Mel. Oh, I'm, I'm drawing a blink right now. Uh, male versus man, you know, ourselves and, and, and how we interact with, with, with one another. Undergrad, I study sociology, so I always love the understanding behind who interacts with each other, why we interact with each other, and how we interact with each other. So I'm always a, a student of life and a student of learning. But I really want to thank you guys for spending uh, uh, this Sunday afternoon uh, with us here at BAC. Uh, I think that the information is going to be uh, a very beneficial, uh, and, and thank you guys for, for sharing your experiences, your knowledge uh, uh, with the Albany community, and I, I wish the both of you continued success, continued uh, uh, safety, and continue uh, wealth for, for you and your families. All right, great, Tyrell. Uh, we we both uh, I enjoyed me and Charles both enjoyed uh, spending this, this uh, Sunday evening with you as well. Okay, all right. Well, listen, man. Uh, like I said, I won't hold you guys up uh, uh, anymore. And uh, thank you, uh, uh, back community, bringing Albany community's knowledge. Uh, you heard it first uh, from Charles Tui and from Brandon Stanfield. Uh, Thank these guys for the information that they were able to give us today. And I look forward to the positive changes that are coming to Albany and that we're going to be a part of. So you guys have a great night. Thank you. Thank you.